Man, that was quick. Our level one Patreon account already hit level two. Thank you guys, all the supporters out there. We're, we set the goal for being able to buy new mixer and new mic, and we now have enough to do both. So, Brandon, let's tell them about level three. I feel like a salesman, but hey, I'm just going to be real with you guys. We really appreciate this. Yeah, we're really uh, excited about what the level three is, and we're, we can't wait to unlock it. So, level three is adding segments. It's much yeah. like how the roundtable news has become its own thing up on uh, on our podcast we want to add a couple more so the first one we're going to add is called glass door confessions so a lot of professionals out there they know what it is glass door is kind of anonymous uh rotten tomatoes right we, yeah, we, a lot of game jobs for game jobs exactly so you if you want to work at a certain company any professional would go on Glassdoor to see how that company really is because a lot of good or bad is posted on that. So we want to dedicate an episode monthly to just reading the positives and the negatives and kind of just comment on top of that of what that is. So Glassdoor Confession is something we're really excited about. Uh, and also, Larry, what is something that you wanted to add as well? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Everyone knows that we like to go deep here on Game Dev Unchained <laughs> and we're not holding back. We got a lot of positive feedback on when we did like a, a breakdown of asynchronous game design. Overwatch. With Overwatch, yeah. So, or not not asynchronous, asymmetrical asynchronous. game design yeah. with Overwatch. We did that all through the episode. Anyway, we did a breakdown of asymmetrical game design with Overwatch and we got a lot of positive feedback on how detailed and how we really went through that game and kind of demystified some of its successes and how they achieve balance through imbalance. And so we've been requested to do more of that. So Game Dev Unchained Going Deep is going to be us like leading the charge on doing a design breakdown from some mega hit games that a lot of people are excited about or other developers may be interested in how some of the things that they decided to do became very successful. So you can look forward to that included in level three as well. Now, I did say, hey, why do people have to pay for us to do more audio content? Because we have to research and we have to prepare the tips. We have to actually like, okay, when we find something we want to talk about, we have to actually source the material, find representational moments that actually can co-sign to what we're trying to say, make sure that everybody knows the material. And then we come back once we're done, once we've collected all the information, then we do the podcast. So because it takes a lot more of the time that we don't really have out of our week. Uh, we figured it'd be nice to, you know, yeah, make sure that people really want this. Yeah, if you want it, show us on our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash GameDevUnchained. Uh, if you are not good at memorizing that, just go to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com, uh, where you can find that link, as well as our Discord, right? If you want to chat with other Game Dev Unchainers, uh, just go ahead and uh, click on our Discord on our website to uh, go there and just talk about last week's episode and stuff. So yeah, guys, again, thanks for all the support for the people who do. And if you don't already follow those links and go check us out, we would appreciate anything that you could offer to help us keep this March going. But without further ado, I know why you're here. You want to listen to game dev unchained with our special guest, Steve Gaynor. Yeah. So, so I am also in the basement. I just don't have quite oh, nice. like canned goods and stuff behind me. So <laughs> yeah, you need to you need to do some prop work. Back there. It's not <laughs> believable space back there. 
Alright, let's do this. Uh, Alright, Larry. I'm already recording, dude. Alright, I'm gonna start recording my audio. You guys are ready? I am if you are, yeah. Ah, Alright, let's do this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all over the city, the street, the galaxy, globe, wherever you happen to be while this sweet, sweet voice is coming through your earwaves, this is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team. And this week I have a special guest host. This man has watched every single episode of Naruto in English and Japanese. Mr. Brandon Fam. That is sadly really true. <laughs> this is Brandon Fam. What's up? How are you guys doing? And uh, bring a special guest this week, Steve Gaynor. Hey, how's it going, guys? How are you doing, Steve? Steve? Yep. <laughs> Hey man, you've been a busy guy. This is a part of the portion that we asked for your resume. Uh, <laughs> this is your second time on the podcast for yeah. longtime listeners, but uh, just a brief run through. What's up with you? And then uh, we'll go yeah. right Why into are you it. special, dude? <laughs> I'm special because I worked with Brandon Pham oh, on like multiple yeah. titles. Uh, That's what it started. Man. <laughs> I was a I was a level designer on Bioshock 2 and um, was the lead designer and writer of Minerva's Den. And Brandon and I worked on both of those together. Um, and then I worked on Bioshock Infinite for a year and uh, left before that project ended to start my own studio, Fulbright, um, hey, here hey. in... Uh, Portland, Oregon. And so we shipped um, Gone Home. It was a story exploration game in 2013. And we just shipped our second title, Tacoma, like three weeks ago. Um, nice. How's that? Uh, which is a, a, a sci-fi narrative adventure game uh, on PC and Xbox. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's weird how recent it's been. I'm like, that was three weeks ago? Damn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's me. Yeah, he had just yeah. enough time to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing a little bit of traveling, you know, keeping up with stuff. But uh, yeah, it's nice to, to have it out there in the world. So my one of the most interesting. Go ahead. My first question. <laughs> my first question is: How does it feel to have two titles under your belt, going independently, breaking from the AAA norm, and kind of doing your own thing and pursuing your passion? I mean, the craziest thing is like. So our first game, you know, Gone Home, we really, it was the three of us um, who were all X2 came in. We, you know, we rented a house together and we made the game in the basement. And like, we were very fortunate for it to be like a big hit, you know, and, and we didn't really, you know, we were just sort of like, yeah, we made a thing and a bunch of people bought it. Hooray. Um, and like, it, it wasn't really until this project that, I had that, that Carla, my co-founder, and I um, actually realized, like, oh, we're, like, small business owners. Like, we have, like, employees <laughs> and, like, a budget and all that kind of, like, real shit. Um, <laughs> and so it's it's been really different, you know, because, like, we've got more people on the team. We've got more people that, like, we haven't worked with before that are just, like, new to game dev or, or whatever. Um it's just been a totally different situation, but it also allowed us to make a game that does a lot of things that we couldn't have done on a smaller scale that we couldn't have done with a smaller team in a different way. Um, but it's been a huge learning experience to really go from, okay, you have your kind of like one hit game that kind of came out of nowhere. And now how do you make that into like, you know, a sustainable yeah. enterprise? There's a totally different set of considerations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about that first yeah. one? Can you repeat or rinse and repeat and get the same or better results? This is always a hard, hard conversation to have with someone else, I think. Right. Yeah, because like what 
what works if you just stick to it and what doesn't because the situation is so different that you can't just say like, well, this worked last time. We'll do that. You know? And I feel like we had a lot of that on Tacoma where we were like, well, we did it this way last time. Well, let's do it this the, the same way. And we, you know, we, we started from there and then you discover what actually is like something that's repeatable and what's something that was very specific mm-hmm. to the first situation that mm-hmm. isn't just something you can do again. And like, yeah, like you said, like navigating those waters is something that you really have to kind of like discover as you go. It's so hard to predict. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things we definitely want to dive in this episode is the sophomore title, right? The sophomore mm-hmm. slump, how scary that can be. I mean, uh, Steve, like you're one of the first person that I knew uh, that I work with that went off and became super successful. And then, you know, I reevaluated my life. a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, you know, it's more of a story that's coming along uh, as indie development isn't so foreign anymore. It's becoming more of a thing. Yeah. So it, it's great to start hearing more and more of your friends making the leap uh, of faith and succeeding at it. Sure. And it, it, it's so inspirational. At the same time, you know, you're, you're saying, you're, you know, your studio dynamic is a bit changing, right? There's more people to blame, right? <laughs> <laughs> to well, there's more people at. to be responsible for, it too. Exactly, it's, it's like, yeah. it's not just like, oh, it's just us. If it doesn't work mm-hmm. out, that's too bad. It's like, oh, we have people that are, like, relying on us, too. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, re- let's start from the beginning, right? So, you guys, ship gone home awesome hit right you say it's a surprise but let's let's be real you knew it was gonna be awesome (laughs) and it was uh did a swell job right you guys had some time off came back you started working on your title so now i'm assuming that you guys moved out of your garage got a place so how was that process like was that just starting to realize we can't all fit in the house anymore or was that it's like, this <laughs> is the story of three strangers <laughs> yeah. to make a game <laughs> yeah well i mean some of it is like fitting in a house and some of it is like literally we were like living together you know it's like okay <laughs> we're all like in our 30s like you know yanaman is, is back down in san francisco like doing his own thing you know and like it's like okay we're actually gonna like turn into grownups we get to like <laughs> live in a place that's not where we work and the, you know yeah. and so like you know all, all that stuff being like okay we have to find an office we're gonna have a lease you know and then saying how many people do we think are going to be on this project you know like what kind of space mm-hmm. do we need where does it need to be you know it, it was all that kind of stuff that that really you know were the was the first steps towards like oh right yeah we're like running a business now we have to like mm-hmm. be intentional about how we kind of set things up for, you know, the, the, the group that we're going to have here and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the, you know, one of the, um, like first motivating factors in our schedule and like what we were going to do, sorry, if you can hear my, my sweet cat, delicious in the background. Uh, <laughs> no worries. Um, it's extra hits. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, was you remember uh, Tynan Wales from a uh, two camera band, right. and he was another level designer um, uh, with me on on the design team. And uh, you know, we we knew that to do our second project, we were going to need more design coverage because we were going to make a, you know, like a basically a more complex project, but also I knew I was going to have more just like running the business and doing like PR stuff and whatever, like going on during development. So, uh, Tynan, um, became available. He was living down in LA and he was available to move back up to, to Portland, like 
in the May of 2014. And so that was one of our things where we're like, okay, we, you know, if we start this project now, because basically like the highest level is, uh, his wife was, was pregnant and they were going to have a kid. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we know right. that Tynan is like a great fit for like helping us make another game possible without just me being the only like designer on the right. title. And the choice was like, okay, they can either move up to Portland like now before they have the right. kid or it's going to be however long it takes to be out of the yeah. whole like you're not going to move like a six-week-old kid, right? You're just like, no, you're there. You're not going anywhere for a while. So we were like, okay. Your whole, whole life changed. Yeah, and so like, but that's one of those interesting things where it's like so many projects, especially on this scale, can come down to like those kinds of factors. There's like, oh, well, this one person is available now. So like, let's start the project. What are we making? Let's start rolling up. We need other people to support what we're doing. Um, and then, yeah, we, we started looking at like, who do we have? Who do we need? Where can we get those kinds of people? How are we going to like spin up this team and get the foundation for our game established at the same time and all that kind of stuff. So like, yeah, tons more factors than when it's just like, Hey, let's all get together and do our thing and get a game out the door, you know? Yeah. Very different. I'm pretty sure by the end of gone home, you were pretty swamped with just shipping it and, you know, after, after shipping marketing and all that. And when did you finally settle down? Uh, would you say time frame wise, when you started thinking about Tacoma, your next game, brainstorming all this stuff? I think that, you know, Carla and I really started talking about it like the following spring, kind of like maybe, you know, like certainly after, after the new year, probably in like March or April um, of 2014. So, you know, it was like a good, like eight, months eight nine months or something like that and, you know we were really um fortunate to spend spend all the money yeah yeah party. get it out of there get it out of there <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> all right we're gonna come back to this <laughs> uh, just ran out no but like we um you know we we it was you know it was really great we got like invited to like speak at a lot of conferences and like stuff like that right so there was like travel and just sort of like like you're saying post-release stuff like uh you know we added like a commentary mode to the game and released that and like you know so after a certain point we're like okay i don't think we're really doing it you know we're kind of like stuff right like we're stable we're not just like flying all over the world anymore um you know we you know tynan could could come join our team and we could get something going and uh and we really started talking more seriously about like well, if we're doing something like, what is it, you know, what, what, what is interesting to do after gone home for us? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you went with something like this because I always love adventure games where I feel like I'm part of the story. It's evolving around my gameplay experience, right? Like there's yeah. no, Hey, this is level one that leads to level two that leads to level three. It's like, I feel like going down this hallway and seeing what's over there. And then the yeah. game responding to that and giving me an experience that I feel like my decisions are part of the narrative exploration. And yeah. so I think you guys crush it. with that. <laughs> So like your games are games that I actually highly regard. So what I, well, is that, you, yeah. Is that now your studio signature? Do you feel like the next title that you guys may come out with is going to be in a similar vein? Or maybe after two, you're going to look to explore different options? I don't know. I mean, like, I I think that's a similar kind of, like, push and pull with kind of, like, balancing different factors of, on the one hand, you don't just want to, like, pigeonhole yourself and be like, this is the only thing we do. But on the other hand, I think that there's this, 
there's real value to like continuing to build on a foundation, explore forward mm-hmm. from, you know, where, where you started from or, or, you know, what you've built so far. Cause I feel like, you know, for, for me, I'm like, there's so much territory to explore within this kind of like part of the design space that, that we've started into. And I feel like that was what we really focused on with going from gone home to to Tacoma was to say like, not just like, how do we take gone homes mechanics, but like put it in a different place and tell a different story. But we said like this kind of experience, how do we use that as a foundation and then layer on mechanics that like involve the player in discovering the story in like a legitimately different way, you know, that, that mm-hmm. doesn't leave behind what we've done, but makes you feel like I'm, this isn't just like a coat of paint on something I've already played. This is like a new thing. Right. And I think that, mm-hmm. that there's something for me that's really attractive about saying, how do you continue to expand from that foundation? Cause I think, you know, like you could always say like, okay, we've done that. And like, we feel like we've kind of shown what we can do with that. And now we do want to work in a totally different genre. You know, we want to do like a simulation game or like, a, you know, like whatever. Say like, oh, what, could we do something interesting with like a shooter game or something, right? Like, I, I, mm-hmm. and I think there's legitimate like approaches you could take there. But the flip side is I think that we're working in a space where there's a lot of interesting you know, like continuation of like seeing what else can kind of like build from here um, that is like out there, you know, like, I, like we're, we're working mm-hmm. in this space that, you know, is, is shared by games like, you know, uh, Firewatch and Soma and, you know, um, What Remains of Edith Finch and all, all these kind of like first person narrative games where I think that everybody who is working in this like general space is still really doing stuff that is like, like meaningfully unique from each other. And I feel like that means that there's also just a ton more to explore there that, that, you know, that we can do and other, other teams can do. And so that, that remains like really exciting for me. So what can we expect from gone home too? (laughs) <laughs> uh, we're gonna go back to the house gonna hang out there he's gonna be christmas duck but he's gonna have a couple of baby christmas ducks it's gonna uh, be great christmas special will be great <laughs> you like how i snuck that one in there so that's how you get the scoops you just <laughs> get the leaks well i mean the most impressive thing and the thing that i see a lot with successful team is you know ha- having the same like you said, continuation of either the team, the ideas, right? Because even with AAA, small or big, what we see is that after a project, the team kind of shuffles a bit, and now you're you're, you're dealing with a new set of cards, basically. And so that when you know it's really complicated, you got to relearn a lot of their, everybody's habits, their new smell, <laughs> and <laughs> get used to everybody before you know you know what what, what pushes everyone over the edge. So I, naturally. When I saw Tacoma, I was like, oh, of course, of course. <laughs> it was, it was, it made sense as a, from a development side and, you know, just what to expect from you guys. I really want to see, you know, have you guys pushed the limit to what you can do in the storytelling narration business. Awesome. So, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like we want to keep building on what we feel like we're good at, but also not stagnate, you know, and make people feel like they are having a new experience when they come back to our stuff. So, you know, we'll, we'll be continuing to navigate those waters. Yeah. So getting back, uh, getting the bang, a band back together again, <laughs> you were mentioning Titan Wells, you know, we know Leon is over there too and a couple other guys. So you, you essentially doubled the team size. Yeah. So doubling the benefits and the problems that come. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so how was that growth? Like finally you're, you're looking around and it's a lot more people than before. Yeah. And how, how was balancing that? The, it, I mean, it, in, in some ways it kind of reminded me of the development experience of working on Bioshock too. Cause something that I, that I always thought about that game was like, I was really proud to be a part of that game in large part because they were building a team and figuring out what the game was and building the game all at the same time. Right. So like it started from a really small team. Like I think I was like the 16th employee or something like that. And it, you know, grew to a team of like 80 plus on site and it had to grow pretty quickly, but also like, like you were saying, like, day one you hire somebody and it's like months before you're really like integrated with the team. And that was kind of like everybody's experience on the team was like being this new factor that all had to figure out how to work together. So like, you know, it it felt like a, a kind of similar thing where like on a much smaller scale, we were still saying like, okay, we're building a, a team and figuring out what the game is at the same time. And then we need to like be working together well enough to like, get it out in into the world and that's like a lot of things to manage um all at once and i think you know that's part of that's partly you know we had the whole like thing where we we kind of put an initial version like kind of like a vertical slice out into the world and then after that point we reassessed that a lot and kind of went back to a lot of mechanics and and kind of looked at them again and said like what are we really doing with this you know we need to like find the game that this is pointing to because we don't feel like this thing is, is the game yet. I think that was, you know, that was part of it is like we were, we were learning to work together and figuring out what the game was. And it took some of that time to be like, okay, now we know how we work together and we know what the game is. And we're actually like now equipped to like build that thing. Um, and I, th- you know, like I think that happens with, with a lot of new teams, especially something like 2K Marin, where it's sort of like the the mandate is like, boom, build a team, and we need a game in a year and a half or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and and it's similar, you know, it was similar for us, where it's like, okay, we need to like get a team together to make something that's more ambitious than what we could have done with a smaller team, and then get it out there, you know, like on the budget that we actually have available. Um, but lucky for you know, like like. Fortunately, we have like just a really great group of people that ended up working together in like a really kind of like supportive, positive, like low drama way. Um, And that's like a, you know, that's like a, it's, there's, that's a multi, uh, I guess like, you know, like that's a multi pronged kind of approach of being like, well, you have to kind of filter for a certain, kind of like personality type to bring into the team Mm -hmm. and then also work on like the intentional kind of communication within the team to like 
guide people to work together in a way that that will be productive. Um, but you know, no matter how good of people you get or how good you are at kind of like guiding them towards the kind of like vibe that you want to have, there's still that period of like just spinning up and figuring out what everybody's role really is and what we're really doing and what the best way to do that is. So, um, it was a lot of spinning plates for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, were there any advantages to the live in a house method that you kind of missed out on by <laughs> not doing it that way the second time around? I mean, some of it was like, so like, you know, like something that, that I always really appreciated was that, you know, my commute was one flight of stairs, you know, where it's like we were down in the basement and it did have its own space where it's like, you're down in the office, you're working, you go upstairs, you're not working. Like they had just like that, that little membrane of like separation, which was yeah. good. So they feel like there's a totally different vibe between that and like your workstations in your living room and you're trying to just like chill out, but like your computer's right there. Right. Um, but I think the bigger thing for um, me and Carla and um, my wife, Rachel, who like, you know, she lived in the house with us um, was that me and, and Carla would just kind of like ambiently be around each other all the time. Cause we lived in the same house and we'd walk to get groceries together and stuff. And like Rachel would come with us to like, you know, go out on, on errands or just walk around town or whatever. And there was a lot of that, kind of just like pervasive ambient discussion of like, I was thinking about this, you know, or like, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're trying to figure out that one thing. And I had this thought that like, what if we did this thing? And you're just kind of knocking that around. You don't have to be like, Hey, let's go into the office together and talk about this. Or like, I'm going to come over, let's meet up at this coffee shop and like do some story discussion. It was just kind of like organically happening all the time, which with, for something like gone home or like Tacoma, where it's sort of like, really having that fully formed like understanding of like everything that's happening and who the characters are and why the story works and and blah 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 just sort of like all of that that totally frictionless kind of like oh right i wanted to mention this thing you know or i just had this thought you know and and you're right there is actually really valuable and so i think part of our uh you know process over the first you know year or two really of working on the game was like how do we, how do we, like, we can't just do that stuff by accident anymore because we all are just like in the same building together literally all the time. So how do we actually figure out how to be more intentional and and kind of like be exposed to the, the that, that process in a way that doesn't just happen naturally, but how can we like make a process that makes it yeah. be part of what we do, you know, because like, it, it's it's funny it, it's interesting when you change your process and then you realize what parts of it just kind of happened mm-hmm. be, as, as like you know as, as fallout from like just what the situation was and then which of those things you need to keep happening but if you don't like work at it they won't you know and how do you kind of like bridge that for sure yeah So, based on your experience, right? Uh, of course, gone home. You were pretty close. I, I I think I remember you. You guys were planning for about a year and a half of development, yeah. and pretty much hit that mark. Yeah, because the bills don't lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a great motivator. But now, you know, with your your second game after uh, that such a successful uh, first game, yeah. 
you know, I'm sure you had a little bit more time mm-hmm. to play around with things. Yeah. So how close to Mark this time around were you from projecting the deadlines to actually shipping it? I mean, like we went over by about a year, I would say, because mm-hmm. like the, the thing that I realized um, after a certain point was that like Gone Home didn't have any pre-production period in its development cycle. And we just sort of like, all right, here's what we're doing. We've got this idea. Let's kind of figure it out, figure out the, the details as we go along, but we kind of know what we're doing and let's just start building it and then like fill in the blanks while we're building it. Um, and, you know, we kind of tried to do that with Tacoma. And what I realized after the fact was that I had kind of, in my own head and in my own thinking and in what I had been working on, I had been basically been doing pre-production in, in, in like a lot of ways for like the years that I've been working on the Bioshock series, I had kind of been like, Oh, what if it was this kind of game, but like, you know, what would it be like if it, there wasn't combat and like, what kind of, you know, like themes am I interested in that you could talk about with that kind of, and so, you know, I kind of like been like, okay, I figured out a bunch of stuff. What if we made a game like this? And then Tacoma, we were like, well, you know, it, it was like we were saying earlier. It was one of those things where we're like, oh, we'll do it like we did on Gone Home. We'll just kind of like start building. We'll go from there. And, you know, the thing that we didn't have in our schedule was the whole like figuring it out phase. We were like, oh, we'll just start building and there will be the thing that we end up shipping. We'll just like, you know, kind of flesh it out as we go. And, our initial schedule was based on that, you know, based on like, we'll just start building and then we'll build it and then it'll be done. And, you know, what we really found was that we were doing pre-production by trying to build the game, even though we didn't realize that we were. Um, And so we had projected like, Oh, this, you know, this should take about two years. And it really took about three years because that first year, Mm-hmm. was pre-production we just didn't know it <laughs> um, give me give me one second um so i'm gonna clap here so you can find the spot in the recording i have noise canceling headphones and the batteries are dying okay, um, okay no so i'm gonna run and grab a battery and unfuck this so sorry about that but i'll be back <laughs> no worries, i won't no be able to hear you guys but i'll do this so sorry to interrupt the podcast uh, all good this is the extra <laughs> extra recording that we gotta start. Yeah. The, the That's why I'm recording earlier. <laughs> oh, listeners, you're getting a treat now. <laughs> is there another angle that you want to go at for this episode? Yeah, I think we're going to unravel. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to just is, unravel yeah, it. Yeah. This is good. Uh, yeah. I'm going to ask a question next about, um, <clears throat> shit, I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, relationships. As far as now that you've had a second hit going into it, yeah. or is it easier to, uh, right, right. have like, relate like marketing this time around, is it easier to ask for an advertising space or is it easier to, Hey, hey I'm back. I can hear you guys again. Yeah. Sorry uh, about that. All good. All good. Uh, Brandon, let me know when to come in. Uh, yeah, you can come in. Okay. All right. So I've got a question for you. Coming the second time around, obviously, people are familiar with Gone Home and the success you guys had there. As a sophomore studio, did you find that there was 
a part of the shipping and like marketing process that got a lot easier because you kind of had, you know, some a resume to lean on as a studio, right? Like getting advertising space on Kotaku, I'm assuming is a lot easier uh, at a second stage than initially. Like, did you reach out to big websites? And if so, were the negotiations more in your favor this time around? Like, I guess, can you kind of walk us through what changed in marketing between the first game and the second game? Yeah, so we didn't do like we didn't do like like ad buys, um, and we were also lucky to have a lot of um, good relationships with press, even when we were like working on Gone Home, because a lot of press knew of me personally from like the Idle Thumbs podcast that I was on, or just like my Twitter account, or you know having worked on like the Bioshock series or on Minerva's Den or whatever. So like. And also at that time, you know, like the whole like Bioshock designer goes indie was like more like a news where they're like, oh, people are doing this now kind of thing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had some good hooks for press to like, you know, give us the time of day on Gone Home. And, you know, we like continue those relationships into, to, you know, trying to, you know, get people to pay attention to Tacoma and look at our early builds and everything. Um but I think that the biggest thing was um, the whole thing. So we, we you know, Gone Home, we launched only on PC. Um, and then Tacoma, we launched on PC and Xbox One. And we had, like, a lot of great support from Microsoft at, like, E3 and stuff like that. I think that's the kind of thing that um, that you have more of kind of, like, a, a, a foot to stand on with, you know, when you're like, Hey, we had this game, we released it. People liked it. It's like a known quantity. People are excited about like, what are we going to do next? And you can have that discussion with like, so, you know, like Microsoft, do you want us to like be on your platform and how are you going to support us? if We do that. And that kind of thing that, you know, isn't going to be there as much if you're just sort of like, Hey, so take our word for it. We're making a game. It's going to be good. You know? um, yeah. So that was a very different situation. Like being up on stage at E3, you know, is like something that wouldn't have mm-hmm. happened if we didn't have, um, you know, kind of a, a track record and, and so forth. Um, but, you know, I think that there's still like, there's a baseline that you get past, which is sort of like, some amount you have some amount of access to just like if you made a game that people know then your next game will be like a news story but past that point the game itself has to be a thing that people are excited about right so i feel like you still have all of that work to do to say like okay you get your foot in the door you know like yes we you know people will be interested that you're making something else but now like why should I post about it again? Why should I tell people they should mm-hmm. care about it beyond just your last game was this, the next game is this? Like, what about the game actually excites me? And that's like, that's the thing you have to do no matter if you've never shipped anything before or if it's your, like, 10th title, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, you know, I, I feel like in a lot of ways the, the job was, like, just as hard or harder in some ways, you know, for people to be like, well, we know that, like, the thing you made last time, people were excited about it, but like, why is it going to be like that again? You know, why, what what are you doing now um, that I should be excited about and kind of like figuring out what that messaging is and how to talk to people about like why this thing 
is what they should care about too is yeah. like his own kind of challenge all right so we talked about the marketing side and relationships that you might have been able to i guess achieve or difficulties there <laughs> but here's the business question yeah. now i'm a big publisher right i see you guys have two hits did you did you get any sort of emails like hey fulbright how's it going uh, <laughs> no this is uh 10 cent we're interested in buying more studios <laughs> right yeah like, um anybody I mean, reach out to see if you guys are interested in doing new business well, if you don't I mean, mind me asking yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's less in terms of the kind of situation that you're talking about, I think, like we haven't we haven't had like acquisition uh, <laughs> offers or anything, <laughs> right? Um, but um, there's certainly more more other partners, I think, that are interested. You know, just sort of like whether it's like contractors that want to work with you, or you know, like like maybe like like distribution platforms in other countries, or you know. Um, uh, even stuff like merchandising and stuff like that, you know? So, so there is sort of more like, Hey, so are you guys looking for a partner for this? You know, are you interested in this kind of thing? Hey, you know, we're this like, yeah, like new distribution platform you might not have heard of, but we would love to, you know, that, that kind of stuff is certainly there. Awesome. Um, but I don't think that we're on the, on the scale of, you know, kind of like, Hey, you know, 2k, what if we, you know, brought you guys in house or something, right? Like, I think it's just a total like order of magnitude difference uh, with with that kind of thing. Man, I'm surprised Valve hasn't shown up, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and and we're like we're really fortunate to have a great relationship with Valve, and we actually just like went and visited them and talked to our Steam reps about like you know promotion, you know, planning and stuff like that, and mm. and that's and that's like we're we're incredibly like in you know we're, we're really grateful to be in a position where we have that that kind of support um but not that not that next level of like so what's the price tag on your studio how do you know <laughs> well, look, uh, yeah. the reason why i asked is uh game dev on chain has a patreon and like if our subscribers come together we might be able to make a pretty decent offer yeah you're putting a lot of faith in the uh in the, in the gdu patreon <laughs> We're just <laughs> we're just trying to get new mics right now. <laughs> no, I'm not saying today. I'm not saying right. today. <laughs> we'll start with the mics. We'll go to we'll start with the mics house. and move our way up. Yeah. Uh, next step. Well, uh, that's, well, it's totally a joke. Uh, it's totally a joke. Uh, <laughs> well, Kojima says war never changes. Yeah. But the indie scene has right. So since gone home to Tacoma, right. Uh, Let's just talk about the releasing. It's a whole different field now. Yeah, it really is. I think before we were mentioning about, you know, uh, this is, a, you know, Gone Home came out when a lot of studios were, it was a thing where, you know, AAA guys were going to do indie. Yeah. It was newsworthy and stuff. But it was really and now kind of it's like, like a first wave thing, you know. Like yeah, first thing, wave. And sure. now, exactly. Now you're part of the second wave. And during the absence, well, in the public, at least, you guys were working. Hard. Yeah. You know, was it tempting to like what's this VR crap over here? <laughs> like, is this worth our uh, an opportunity? And you, you guys, you know, what are your thoughts on that scene and on this indie scene overall? Okay, yeah, I mean, we are definitely not a VR studio. I mean, I guess anybody could be a VR studio, but it's like not where we come from. Um, 
I mean, there's definitely a lot of opportunities in terms of like getting projects funded and stuff. If you're, if you're going to go, um, into the, the VR world, and I know that's like a great speaking of places where like, you're kind of like exploring new territory and, and solving problems mm-hmm. that haven't been solved before. There's like a ton of that in the, in the VR space. Um, but yeah, just like in the indie, well, I guess I would say in the indie space, but also just in like the game market in general, it feels like there's just so much more that's going on and coming out all the time. You know, I feel like there's a totally different feeling in terms of just like how much there is out there to play and how much stuff people are talking about and how many titles are like totally worth playing, but like how many can you really even get to, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a totally different bar for being like a game that you have to play right now. Yeah. than there was five years ago. Um, Cause like, you know, I've played a bunch of stuff this year, but also I've been busy and I haven't played as much stuff as I normally probably would have, but I still haven't gotten to a bunch of stuff. Like, I just, you know, and like, to be fair, it wasn't easy to like even get a Switch like this entire year. And I was trying to ship mm-hmm. a game, but I like just yeah. started playing Zelda like yesterday. Oh, nice. Congrats. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you know, I want to like, like people are like Hellblade is super interesting. And like, you know, I want to get to like, I, I've, I haven't even gotten to play Pyre by Supergiant and like, we're friends with those guys, but like, yeah. you know, like I just had, and I think there's, there's this additional challenge of like, people have so much to choose from that. I think that you have to kind of, unless you're super lucky you have to kind of look at your release on a different time scale, you know, where there's a ton of people who are going to say like, like me, you know, being like, Hey, I hear Hellblade is great. And, and it's like really interesting. And I should play it. And like the new uncharted standalone expansion just came out today. And like the premise sounds super interesting. It's like two badass female characters just like kicking ass. And like, it's like a few hours long. It's like, I'll play that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't have time to play it today. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I think there's a ton of people who are like, Oh yeah, that's on my list. That's on my list. That sounds interesting, but I'll pick it up in a sale or like when my friends remind me later that it's good. I'll, and I have mm. more time, I'll grab it or, or whatever. And I think that there's a lot of games that like might've been like big hits on launch day five years ago that now are going to mm. like end up being successful Mm. But just as people kind of like fit it into their, right. their schedule over a longer time frame, because you know, like the, like like Valve has started to really um, try to get people and, and really emphasize like the the wish list thing, you know, because I think they found this whole thing that was people would like see a game came out at launch and they'd be like, oh, I, that's supposed to be good, and they wouldn't buy it. And then they would just never hear about it again. So they would never buy it. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. if you can say like, oh, that's supposed to be good. I do want to play that. Click the button. Mm-hmm. And now when it goes on sale, you just like get an email. that's like, hey, remember that thing you wanted to buy? It's like 20% mm-hmm. off. You want to buy it now? And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I do. Um, because I think that, you know, they have become aware of this like kind of like audience behavior of just not being able to just like click buy now on every freaking mm-hmm. game that comes <laughs> comes out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, that that's been, that's been something that, you know, we've looked at and the people we've talked to that we know in the industry, they're just like, yeah, you know, like, like unless you are the luckiest of the lucky, 
it's way harder for your game just to like blow up on launch day, but you have to plan towards how to keep it in front of people and get people to like, you know, build that momentum over time. Um, Cause there's just so much more out there and so many more games that are fighting for, you know, being the one thing that, that somebody buys this week. Yeah. Well, I do want to kind of rewind back to, you were saying earlier, like, Oh, I just got Zelda and I barely have time for that. And there's other games that are on your list. I want to kind of give a shout out to this one game that I think did something cool. They may not have been the first, but they're notable for doing it now. And I would hope that more games follow suit is uh, Horizon Zero Dawn added a story mode difficulty, which is, hey, I know this game could be much harder. I'm really good at video games. I get it. But I just want to beat the story so that I can experience all the content that you've added. And I'm not so much interested in playing the boss battle eight, nine times in a row. You know, right, what I mean? yeah. so like the quickest path through the experience, they've added like story difficulty to their game. And I was like, yeah, that's legit. Because as a designer, I'm like, yes, this game is out. That game is out. This game is out. I play maybe 10, 15 minutes and then it's like, yep, overwhelmed with work again. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's why we make the kind of stuff that we make as well as like, you know, there's there's. The, the really exciting thing about just working in games, especially now, is that, like, there can be so many different kinds of things that people are, you know, find value in. Like, there are people that want to, like, I, so, like, between, like, a couple weeks ago and, like, three months ago, I think the only game that I played practically for any amount of like significant time was Player Unknown's Battlegrounds because I could just pick it up and I was just like, I'm just going to play a couple rounds tonight. Like, we're not going to win, but I'll have fun. I don't have to, like, you know, it's like I know how to, and, and, you know, so there's that kind of thing. It's like the game that you come back to and play every night. And then there's like the giant, you know, 200 hours of trying to find every single, you know, area Mm -hmm. in Zelda. But then there's like, hey, we want to give people an experience where it's like you can sit down with it for you know, a few hours, three, four, five hours, really dig into it, have a fully kind of like complete experience and walk away from it and be like, hey, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I actually had that, I, I had a full thing. I didn't like play partway through this game and, yeah. and never finished it. I got to have that kind of feeling of like, you know, satisfaction of, of having gone through the, the whole story and then just be able to be like, and now I now I can move on to something else and feel like I'm I'm you know satisfied with that experience that I had because you know sometimes you do want something that you can play every night or that you can play for months in a row and sometimes you want something where you're like man I had that one experience and it didn't outstay its welcome and I can talk about it and that's like part of my whole you know kind of like you know gaming experience in like a more holistic way. So I've designed a game that is just for people like us. We don't have a lot of time to play games, and we're going to play it on this podcast. It's really quick. All right? Okay. It's called The Fast Five. How it works is I'm going to ask you five (laughs) rapid-fire questions, and we just want five rapid-fire answers. All right. All right. Are you ready to go? I will will be as concise as possible. All right. (laughs) Question number one, what's your favorite Indiana Jones movie? Uh, I have only seen the first one, so it's that one. <laughs> All right. Question number two. <laughs> I saw part of the Crystal Skull on a plane, okay. and I turned it off. Uh, <laughs> so okay, it's still so the first one. I believe the first one still. <laughs> Good. Question number two. What's the worst gaming experience you've had online? Online? On the web? 
Jesus. Um, so many, huh? I don't. Yeah, well, I, I don't play atomic stuff online. Yeah. I don't really remember having any like nightmares where somebody was just like, battlegrounds. No one, no one shot you in in a team kill. I mean, well, a lot of people have shot me. <laughs> I didn't like. I don't survive. <laughs> uh, God, I. You know what? Like. I, I am grateful not to be able to say like there was this one time I had this god awful experience online. No, mm-hmm. but but again, not a big multiplayer player. Like mm-hmm. when when I when I started playing PUBG, the first thing I learned was somebody was like, so press Control T and it just turns off voice chat. <laughs> and it's the first thing I did in that entire game. I never turned it back on. So yeah, a little self filtering on my end. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, uh, question number three: What's the favorite achievement or trophy that you've earned? Oh, um, let's see. Uh, gosh, man, I'm 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 yeah, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing a bad job on these questions because like I get <laughs> achievements in games, but like they don't mean anything. Yeah, like I mean, like some of, they're, they're cool ones, and like it's fun to design achievements for your own games. But God, is there is there any like I'm trying to think if there's any that I've like worked really hard to try to get where I was like I gotta get that chivo, uh, <laughs> uh, gotta get the cheese, and there's not. I'm failing. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> No, no, Steve. All the designers failed to you. Yes, well, sure. Yeah, yeah. There, there will be that one. I'll, I'll, I'll find that one achievement where I'm like, ah, oh, finally, my holy grail, the achievement that I, that I love with my whole heart. No, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. All good. I think the next two are juicy. Mm, good. Question number four: If you could force a company to remake a game using today's technology, which company and game? Ooh, okay, now that's exciting. Um, I mean, I feel like a couple of people have like kind of answered this question because like there is a company that's like like remaking System Shock right now, and that's yeah. one of those ones that like System Shock came out at just the right time mm. that it's really inspiring and it was doing a ton of things that were like really new at the time and are still cool to enga- encounter, but it's also like incredibly hard to play because you're just mm. like, oh my god, but. <laughs> Here's, what, here, here's my real answer. This will be a um, a super, well, not super obscure, but my answer is I would love to see a remake of Interstate 76. Oh, man. Which man. was a car combat yeah, yeah, yeah. in the MechWarrior 2 engine. Yeah. So, like, not the greatest <laughs> tech in the world, but, like, a, like a really good, like, 70s muscle car car combat battle game in like mm. 2017 tech like especially if you could do like 100 player multiplayer matches like that would be insane that's the game right there PUBG with cars yeah. derby style <laughs> <Yes>. custom <laughs> server 100 yeah. cars spawn on the map <laughs> go at it uh, question number 5 if you could make a game about any person in history who and why wow alright Damn, that's a big one. Um, so, like, uh, the the thing that, you, like, this is probably not the best answer, but this is rapid fire. <laughs> uh, and, like, this is, this is probably not the best answer, but it is also more, like, you, you would know kind of how to make this game. But um, uh, in Portland, in the middle of this roundabout uh, on Gleason <laughs> Street, there's this huge gold statue of Joan of Arc. 
Okay. And like making a game about the life of Joan of Arc, who basically was this like, she died when she was like 19 years old. Like she yeah. was having like visions of, you know, like being told to, to lead, you know, uh, people into battle when she was like a teenager. And then like hordes of French soldiers just followed her into battle. Um, yeah. Like that would be like that role of both experiencing like her like fervor of mm. thinking that she was getting like, you know, like signs from God and then actually like being in battlefield situations, like what a crazy experience that would be to like translate into like a game, mm. uh, you know, like an interactive kind of like role-playing kind of situation. So that that's my rapid fire. Awesome. If I thought about it more, maybe I would have a different answer. <laughs> Uh, no worries, man. That was a that was a good time. It was decent. Okay, it was okay. Decent. <laughs> not, not the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I admit that fully. Fully, it's all good, man. It's all good. No, but you passed. Well, you completed the, yeah. the the game. So that, that was a, game. that was a three out of five, which is like a passing grade. That was like a C plus. It counts. You got a C plus. <laughs> the Metacritic score for my game. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for playing, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we started this podcast by you mentioning you're about three weeks out after launch. Um, I mean, the the press and everything is part of the the post launch game, right? Yeah. Uh, and more importantly, you know, the more indie people that we talk to, AAA has been have been doing this a while, right? The DLC stuff yeah. as a consumer, as a developer, it's good for both sides. But indie titles, I feel like, are finally realizing this yeah. more and more. Just like it's not about uh, selling crazy at launch day; it's about the long tail of things, right. like keeping the lights on, keeping keeping the support going, and just seeing this all the way down. Because, like you said, in nowadays market, right, everybody is just wish listing everything right. because they got this whole line of titles mm-hmm. that they have to work through, and they're like a year behind, and they're just waiting for the perfect timing to get right. There. Yeah. So, I mean, how has that been, uh, how are you faring with Gone Home as far as like three weeks out in terms of just, oh my God, all right, we're out. Can we relax now? <laughs> right. Has it, you got like nine people with you guys now and it's like everyone's kind of spreading out and just having fun, <laughs> helping with the marketing. I mean, is it crazier? Is it easier? I mean, how was it? Or how is it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's some of each. I feel like, you know, um, with Gone Home, it was more, yeah, that case of, like, we, we're all, you know, like, on that project, it was kind of like, there's one person in each role, we're all responsible for our own stuff, so then the game comes out, and we're sort of like, all right, mm-hmm. <laughs> we did it, we're cool, right? And, <laughs> High five. Yeah, and, and with Tacoma, there's more of a sense of, like, okay, we have people that, you know, every, everybody, you know, is, is taking the time that, that they need after ship, but also you know, we want to make sure that we're thinking about like, how are we, how are we setting people up who are on the team to like continue, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like building towards what we're going to do in like the near and and midterm. So some of that is stuff like us going up to like visit valve or like, you know, I'm going to go down to San Francisco and do some press stuff soon, you know, like kind of like on camera stuff. And, but some of it is talking about like, okay, what are our like designers and programmers doing aside from like working on a patch or working on, you know, X, Y, Z. It's like, how are we talking about what 
the actual like new stuff that they're going to be working on past that that point is. So I think there is a little bit kind of like with everything else I was talking about. There's a little bit more of that like we have to be intentional. We have to think about how we communicate like more of like a plan and like a you know a, a roadmap <laughs> to our team. Um, um, considering like the structure that we're in. Um, but you know, it's a balance where it's sort of like, we do want to make sure that the people that it makes sense for them to kind of like get back to work on stuff, know what that's going to look like, but also not to just throw people straight back into like, all right, you're back to like, you're, we're, we're doing 40 hour weeks. You're like, you're in the, you know, you're, you're back in production mode already. Um, yeah. But to be planning towards, like, when are we getting into production? What's it's on? Who is responsible for what? And kind of, like, laying the groundwork for that stuff. Right. Get back to work time. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty damn. (laughs) Hurry up. (laughs) Stop drinking coffee. (laughs) Or, yeah. I mean, like, the the crazy thing is that, you know, um, most people don't realize, like, how hard it is the second time around. Yeah. the first time, of course, right? You think that oh, was the first game, everything. We got to make sure it's good. You put it out there, and the second time happens, and you're a bigger team. You, all these problems that we've always been worried about, it's happening. <laughs> and your role in particular, right? Sure. You a transition from designer, and you were helping with PR and stuff the first time. Right now, you're like, all right, I need to do like one focus. Yeah. And we need design help, and let's do this. Yeah. Um, like how has that been? Just transitioning to uh, an owner of people uh, <laughs> working for you. <laughs> oh, that's a slip. <laughs> it's so much crazier. Just just taking care of others. Yeah, yeah. You know, just constantly worrying about that. Yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of it is learning how to yeah coordinate and how to collaborate and like how to be involved in a way that's productive and that isn't overstepping but that also is like actually guiding things to be where they need to be. Right. And, you know, some, some of that was totally just being aware of what's going on in the project and being like, Hey, this thing we need to like, you know, get up on the whiteboard and like sketch out, like, how are we going to do this design? You know, this like UI design or whatever, like, you know, like actually be involved in like, the design process from like the design side, but then a lot of it was like basically being a producer and kind of being like, Mm -hmm. what are we trying to, you know, what's our like next internal milestone? What are we trying to accomplish next? Who's doing what, Mm -hmm. what isn't getting done? Are there people who are working on stuff that actually is like a lower priority than what we really need? And like making sure that all that kind of stuff is kind of being juggled Um, because we don't have like a producer producer, right. But we need Mm -hmm. somebody who like my job becomes so like on gone home you know my job was know everything about the project know everything that has to go into the project and also implement all of the design side of that stuff Mm -hmm. and then on tacoma it was like know everything about the project know everything that has to go in but most of that almost all of it is actually going to be done not by me and so learning those skills of how to be the one who kind of has the the big picture and also the like more granular picture of like, yeah, but exactly what is getting done now and what still needs to and figuring out how to like work with the team to make that happen instead of just like, well, if all this stuff needs to go into the game, 
I'll just put it in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I, like there's some things where I just didn't have the time to do it or the attention or there's just all this other stuff going on. Some of us just didn't have the skill set to do it, you know, because it was like Tynan and Nina, our other designer, just like were doing like scripting all day and doing like building levels or like, you know, working with these different systems all day. And like, I just wasn't close enough to it to be acclimated to like, mm-hmm. even if I wanted, uh, if I was like, well, I'll just go on and do that. Like my spin up time for that would have been, we're just not made it make sense. You know? So it's sort of like, there's some things where it's sort of like, even if you theoretically could just jump on it, it still is not the thing to do. It's still like, you know what the the people on the team who are like experts at this part of making a thing, they'll just do it. And I need to mm-hmm. kind of like have that confidence in them and have that perspective to be like, you know what? Like there's, that, that's one of the biggest things. Like that was that like, on a game like like Gone Home, there's a lot of stuff where you're just sort of like, all this needs to get done, so I need to do it. Mm-hmm. And on on something like Tacoma, for me or for a lot of other people on the team, there's this question of more like, not just what needs to get done and can I do it, mm-hmm. but the real question is like, what is the stuff that only I can do on the project? Mm-hmm. Because like, there's a lot of stuff that theoretically I could implement this scripted scene or decorate this part of the station or X, Y, Z. But so somebody else could do that if, if I, if I wasn't around, but there's stuff that I can do on the project that nobody else on the team can. And how can you separate out? I'm going to do the stuff that nobody else can take. And I'm going to make sure that the stuff that only other people can do, or that they're going to be the best at is like what they're getting done and not just being the person who's like, well, I could do everything, so I should do everything, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind of finding those priorities and finding how to really make sure that people are, you know, on the stuff that makes the most sense for them. And that includes yourself, you know, and, and kind of having that sort of like, what shouldn't I be doing? You know, what should I be trusting other people with, regardless of whether it's something that like I could do if I sat down to do it? Like what's going to get left on the table if I do spend my time that way? Which is, a, you know, it's like, it's a new skill set to learn. It's a new way to like, Think about things. All right. So let me ask you this. If you were to grade all your projects, right? Looking, going back to Minerva's Den, I'm assuming very personal experience, Gone Home, Tacoma, all three. Could you say one was more important and more critical as far as like your sense of self-satisfaction for a project that you put out representing your abilities? Is that even like, do you even take that sense of pride and like, yes, I did my best work on this. Like this is my magnum opus, you know, have we reached that level yet? Well, I mean, like the three projects are really like, I mean, the, the, the most basic answer to your question, I think is that like gone home was that, like that, that central point of being like our first project where we went out on our own. Mm-hmm. And also a project that really kind of hit the zeitgeist and the people are like, this game's important. You know, like this yeah. game said yeah. something to me that I haven't seen in a game before. Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, it, it, you know, it, it kind of all came together in that moment. But then, you know, Minerva's Den was like the first thing that I was a lead on. And that was within the framework of a much larger organization. And that was something that like was really important to me both because 
I learned how to lead a project and like work with a smaller team that were like all invested in a thing that I was responsible for, not just that I was contributing to. Uh, it was also really important because it was the first time that Carla and I worked together really closely. Like we worked on that story together and she was my story editor. And we, we had, that was our first real thing where it's like, Oh, we're like a team on this. And that experience led to being like, well, if I'm going to start my own studio, I need Carla to come and like, you know, be part of this, this thing that we're doing. And then with Tacoma, it's sort of like the flip side of that, where it's the first time that we were able to say, we're going to bring new people into what we do and we're going to learn how to make that a cohesive team. They can make the kind of stuff that we make Mm -hmm. and feel, you know, integrated into that whole process and like learn a lot about like how to make this stuff at all. And kind of to go from being mentored, you know, on Minerva's Den to really just kind of like flying solo, you know, as far as like, just like as a, as a team that's sort of out on their own, um, on gone home to like being in more of that like mentorship role and that like sort of like Mm -hmm. lead role, not just in like leading the project, but like, you know, kind of like showing people how to like work on this team and, and, and kind of like what it means to, to make this kind of game and try to figure out how to like do that in a constructive way. And, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm super grateful on Tacoma to have been able to like bring this group of people together who wouldn't have gotten to work together otherwise and wouldn't have gotten to make this kind of thing. And like to, to be able to like give them the opportunity to make something that they're really proud of and also mm-hmm. to have had the opportunity to work with them and experience what it's like to have them bringing all of their talent to, to something that we're making, mm-hmm. bringing all this stuff that we couldn't have just done ourselves into this, this experience um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's sort of like, yeah, on something like Gone Home, it's sort of exciting because you're like, we did all of this. You know, like, I I did all of my part. You did all of your part. It's very like, you know, it's like a band. It's like, you're the drummer and I'm the singer and you're the guitarist. And like, we, we put that into the game. And then there's just a very different experience to like, now I'm kind of like overseeing this group of people and like, helping coordinate all of them to make something that they're invested in. Um, it's just, it's a different kind of satisfaction. It's a different kind of opportunity you have when you have that opportunity to say like, Hey, we did release something that allows us to make something bigger. And now bringing those people into what we do is kind of like what the like really kind of cool thing at the end of the day, uh, is that comes out of it. That's different from any of other projects. Mm-hmm. Well, I must say, unless Mr. Brandon Pham has any more questions, I did. Well, let me ask okay, one, okay, more, okay. one more. <laughs> I'll squeeze one more before you finish that sentence. So, um, you know, you've been through the process of creating big games. You've been through the process of creating your first small game, which has gone home. So running a studio, right? Yeah. And we don't have to go through the whole process, but like, were there things in particular where that you're like, oh, this is something we did on this project that w- w- went really well? Uh, and these are the workflows that we, we created or adopted uh, to run Tacoma. Like, were there like standout things that you changed differently to team meetings, to working at home, to working together at a certain uh, day at a studio? You know, what was that like? Well, so we have an office. Um, 
that has workstations for everybody, but we also made sure that everybody is set up to have a home workstation. Um, because, well, A, a couple of people on the team are just remote all the time. Um, Kate, our 3D artist, and Brett, who is our, our lead pro, who was the lead programmer that, that shipped the game, they're both East Coast. Um, <clears throat> but then everybody else, we wanted to make sure that we had a space where people could be there in person, physically, but also that if you just needed to, like, get a lot of shit done, that you could just get up in the morning, go to your home workstation, work on stuff, not have to worry about, like, taking a shower and like whatever, you know, like, like getting all like, uh, ready for the day and like having a commute. And like, if you need to work late, you have to stay late at the office and you know, blah, 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 blah. So like part of it was like you were saying, giving people that ability to have that balance of like the busier that we were as a studio, the fewer people were in the office. Cause most people are just like, I'm just going to get, get to my desk, work all day, go to bed. I'm good. You know? Um, <laughs> Uh, and and also um, when we really got into like the last six months of the project and we were at that place where like we could kind of see how much time we had left and how much time we needed and what needed to get done, we started having a, a weekly Monday morning meeting where we had like, you know, like it, it was it was sort of like a like agile kind of thing where it was like, OK, what's everybody's biggest tasks this week? Yeah. And we have like, you know, like the, the like post-it notes for each person. And then the next week we have the meeting and we're like, did that get finished? Do we need to move it forward? Do we get to check it off? And sort of like, once we got into that final stretch of being like, we know what we're making and we have everything blocked in. We just need to finish the rest of it. Of, of really saying like, every week we're going to look at where we're at. We're going to assess. We're going to see whether stuff that we thought was going to get done is actually getting done. And kind of having that heads together and and making things a little bit more structured when we really got to that point where you could see the shape of of the you know the, the finishing of the game um, was really important to us instead of just being like everybody working on what they're supposed to be okay cool you know um, it, trust falls yeah 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 because yeah. it's part of that sort of like you know becoming a, like a real studio or a real business or like growing up a little bit you're sort of like man. At some point, you've got enough people, enough that needs to get done, and and the timeline is kind of like concrete enough that you just have to say like, how are we organizing this? How are we making sure that we're not just like flying on blind faith that shit's getting done the way it's supposed to be, but also giving people the space to like work the way that they need to to actually like be able to to do that um, without you know like we we are we are you know, fortunate that we, there, there were definitely parts of production where some people were working a lot of hours, a lot of days, mm-hmm. but we also didn't have, you know, an enforced, we didn't have like a you know crunch period where it was like, okay, everybody's <laughs> on the clock for like 12 hours a day, you know, like nobody's taking days off, you know, like any, any of that kind of stuff. We never had the kind of milestones where it was sort of like, all right, well, if we're getting this milestone done, I think everybody's just doing 80 hours a week for the next, you know, six weeks or something. (laughs) Like we've, we've either worked on or, or known projects where it was sort of like, all right, mandated 10 hours a day, six days a week for the next six months. Cause otherwise this game's not getting finished. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, We, we, we were able to, I think for, you know, pretty much everybody on the team, even though there were, 
concentrated areas or for maybe for a few weeks you are doing you know a bunch of stuff just to like kind of like make sure your stuff is in good shape for for a certain milestone we i think ended up with a good balance of people working as much as they felt like they could and needed to productively and not just like grinding themselves into the dirt just sort of like i never do anything but work and we're still not getting this thing done blah 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 um, and a lot of that, you know, and that comes from that kind of process where you're sort of like, all right, we're actually going to track what's getting done. And if there's stuff that's just not going to get done, we're going to have to say it doesn't go into the game. And what does that mean for like what gets done first? Because there's this much stuff that can't not go in the game, right? And yeah, is that yeah. getting done? And does that mean our schedule needs to change? Um, and not getting yourself into that situation where you're sort of like, well, guess this just means that everybody is not going to, you know, stop working until 3 a.m. for, right. you know, like, because you, you just burn people out that way, right? And on, especially on such a small team as ours, if you, if anybody on the team burns out, it's just like, well, how, what are we, you know, what are we doing now? Like the, the health of the team hinges so much on every person kind of like being in a good place that I think it's really crucial to take that seriously and make sure that you're kind of like managing your own schedule and your own expectations so that people can work in like a healthy way. And, and that is yeah. something that, you know, you kind of have to like, again, think intentionally about, yeah. And then kind of like figure out how are we doing that and not just sort of assume everybody will be fine, <laughs> you know, like, like do the work to make sure that you can say like, yeah, we can do our part to make sure everybody can be fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, the producer is like the P word in the <laughs> industry. Nobody likes, but like the usefulness of data tracking helps you project, yeah. you know, what future project could look like. And so, you know, it, it's always helpful to do that, even if it fa- sounds kind of forceful, but it's, it's like, it's a good habit to have right. uh, just being able to just see how things are going right. yeah. <laughs> and where we can change and pivot. Right. Yeah. And I mean, when we got into that section of the schedule, you know, we were able to see like, okay, we blocked out like six months and we were kind of seeing what was getting done and what was getting pushed forward and how much we were really getting done in any given week. And, you know, like we got kind of like maybe half or two, two thirds of the way through that. And we were like, yeah, it looks like we need to add like six weeks onto this. Mm-hmm. And then we did and we spread stuff back out. And then we got to the end of that whole schedule, including the extra six weeks and we were done. And like, you know, we wouldn't have been able to project. It looks like a month and a half from now, we're going to need another six weeks if we hadn't been building that data and like really actually thinking about what it means and not just kind of moving the cards to move them. Um, but, but that kind of gave us the ability to feel like that confidence and saying like, mm-hmm. we do need to extend it a little bit, but based on what we know, this actually will solve the problem. Not just like, let's move the goalposts and move them again and move them again and mm-hmm. we'll see where we get to. Right. And, and the team also being able to say like, Oh, they're adding some, this specific amount of time onto the schedule for a reason. And we can all see it and we can feel confident in that as well. I think is is a really important aspect of of the team being able to to feel like you know things are happening for a reason and that they can believe <laughs> that that date that you moved it up to is like a real date, not just like a, who knows when this is really going to end um, mm-hmm. kind of situation. Because when you know I I've, I've been in situations where you're sort of like 
is that really when we're going to ship this thing? And I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, and, and, you know, not really, as a team member, not really knowing where that's at can, can, can really wear on you, you know? So trying to have that transparency and have the team be involved with knowing how the schedule is, is shifting and why, and to feel like, you know, they, they can be confident in that, I think is, is really important. All right. Well, <laughs> don't mind me, gentlemen. I uh, I have a gift to give to you that I've been uh, waiting to give you. Yeah, it's uh, I've given you this gift before. Unfortunately, I'm going to it like that. I'm repackaging the same gift, hoping that you accept it again. Uh, it is the opportunity to talk directly to our audience and promote, advertise, raise awareness, or shout out something that you're working on or something that's very important to you. Since you've been podcasting with us for over an hour, we feel like it's a fair trade. So without further ado, Mr. Gator, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, if, if you're interested in in the game that we made, Tacoma, you know, if you want to see all this exciting uh, production scheduling worked out, uh, <laughs> you can go to uh, Tacoma.game, um, or you can follow me on Twitter at Fulbright, F-U-L-L-B-R-I-G-H-T, um, and check out this whole space station game we made, spend a few hours with our characters, getting to know them and kind of finding out the story of what happened on Tacoma station. Um, it's on PC and, and Xbox. Um, and you know, like we're, we're really proud of all the people on our team. Um, one of our designers, uh, Nina Freeman, um, she, uh, uh, produces her own smaller indie games. She's released like a number of titles while she's been working on Tacoma. Um, games like uh, How Do You Do It and Sybil and Freshman Year. Um, they're on Steam, and you can also go to her website at Nina Says So. Um, Nina Says So is, is her, her URL because um, she does she does really cool stuff. That if you're into our stuff, you'll you'll be interested in what she does as well um and tynan who brandon and i have have worked with in the past and, and who i currently work with um between working on bioshock 2 and tacoma he helped out um brendan chung on the indie game quadrilateral cowboy which is like mm -hmm. uh like kind of like first person hacking game um that like we have won the grand prize of the IGF last year and like is like a really interesting game. Um, and Tynan worked on that for about a year and contributed a bunch of stuff to the design. So uh, check out Quadrilateral Cowboy as well. It's, it's super interesting. There's the cool like kind of like hacking puzzle system to it that is kind of unlike anything else. Um, so those are my plugs. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast again. And obviously we wish you nothing but continued success because that means you get to keep coming back. That's a win-win. I'll be back. Promise. <laughs> All right. Well, I, it's uh, dang, I need a rhyme. I don't have one this time. Good night. <laughs> this is Brandon Pham. I, I need a rhyme. I don't have week. it this time. There it was. <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.